Hey guys, welcome to the We Are Men podcast. I am your host, Carl Mason. And in this podcast, we sit down and talk with local heroes about life, mental health, and strategies for coping with the day-to-day issues that we all face as men. Our aim with this podcast is to create a space where men can open up and discuss their mental health without the fear of shame or exclusion. I know it can be hard to ask for help as a man, but no man needs to struggle alone. We hope to encourage all men to talk about what they're going through and seek help when they need it. A quick note, this podcast may feature some adult language and suicide may be discussed, which could be triggering for some listeners. These podcasts have been made possible by funding from Country SAPHN. Welcome to the We Are Men podcast, Country South Australia. My name is Carl Mason. I'm your host. And today we are here with Michael Marsh from Wayala, South Australia. Uh, we're going to chat to him a little bit about his story uh, and his experience as a, a man uh, and his experience with mental health. Uh, the first thing I wanted to say, Michael, is just a huge thank you for agreeing to be involved in this project. It's something that's uh, very personal to myself and the rest of the team. Uh, we all have our own experiences with mental health, um, you know, ourselves and family members. So we understand our you know, what it means to go through life with uh, mental health, health issues that have to be dealt with. Uh, and we all understand how important it is for more men to talk about these things and share them uh, because the more we open up the conversation, uh, the more people hopefully will seek help before it gets too late or too dire for them. So I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. Oh, thanks very much, Carl. Just, I, I feel the same way about it. I think it's a, a great initiative that you've got going and um, hopefully we can make someone feel a little bit more comfortable about their, their journey. Hopefully. That's the goal anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, Michael, let's start uh, at the beginning. I just would love to know from your view, where did your journey with, or where did your mental health journey begin? Um, so, uh, in 1990, I had a, a back operation and... Um, Post-op, I had a little bit of a personality change, certainly uh, had a little bit of behaviour that wasn't of the norm, uh, kept it in-house, stayed home, and uh, you know, it went away within a month or so when life was got back on normal and way I went. So I had a first little taste of it then. But in 1993, I had major back surgery, and uh, about 10 days post-op, um, bang, I've got my first... Uh, psychiatric uh, issue and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm delusional and uh, psychotic and I've, I've seen a vision in the room of my uh, house and it was a vision saying that my mother was dying in New Zealand and that I needed to get there. So I, I made my way to the hospital to seek permission from a doctor to sit on a plane, hence I just had a back surgery and wasn't supposed to sit. And uh, so I made my way to, to the hospital and um, uh, unfortunately, I got detained under the Mental Health Act, and uh, away we go. Wow. Okay. So that must have been pretty scary, going from you know having no experience to suddenly, you know, having a having an episode like that. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I sort of left the hospital and thought, well, you know, I've set my pace. I'll get on the way. And I got about a kilometre down the road. There was four police cars sitting there and they come across the road and they're, are you Michael Marsh? I said, yes, they said, you've got to come back to the hospital. I said, no, 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 I've already been here. No, 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 you've got to come back. And uh, I remember having a joke because he was, 
mate, a couple of um, men and ladies there, and I said, well, look, I'll go back to the, the hospital as long as I can ride with that lady there. And they, they obliged that, and I, I went back and uh, uh, found out that I was detained under the Mental Health Act. <laughs> <laughs> so up until that point, how was life going for you? You hadn't had no experiences or other than that other uh, minor change you said after surgery? Yeah, no, no, everything was yeah, everything was going good. I just had a newborn baby boy. I just bought a house. Job was good. Um, yeah, look, everything was uh, tip-top shape. No, everything was going great. And then just <laughs> came out of the blue like a shock. Yeah, it came out of the blue. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I got a road trip to um, Adelaide and uh, uh, the journey began. What, uh, in that time, I... Um, of kind of understand what was happening. Um, did you find that there was a stigma around what you were going through, that people didn't understand it? Yeah, look, stigma was really difficult for me. Um, people started calling me Mad Mick and that uh, tag actually followed me around for many, many years. And people got quite comfortable saying, hey, you're going Mad Mick. And, I mean, inside it hurt a little bit, but I, I always shrugged it off and, uh, you know, uh, played the game and went, went with it. But it wasn't very nice. And um, living in a large country town, people would avoid me in the supermarket or, uh, or in the community. You know, people would cross the road to avoid the conversation. I was a very successful coach and um, uh, I went to an AGM thinking that I was well enough to go back and I never got one vote. Uh, to return, and you know, that was a, a horrible stigma. Uh, made my depression get worse. Um, suicide, uh, out, so suicidality was uh, an option at that stage. And um, I had a person say to me that I would never work in this town ever again. And it's one of, that stuck with me for a long time. I, I still remember that statement. And I think when you're really around well, and people say nasty things like you'll never work in this town again, that never goes away. You always have that little. Yeah, you, you, you might forget the good things, but you don't forget the bad things, I guess. Definitely. They tend to stick, don't they? Yeah. Now, with um, do you think do you think that it was harder for you being in a you know a smaller sized town uh, than you know if you were in a you know larger metropolitan city just because everyone knew you, you kind of knew everyone? Do you think that made the journey harder for you? Look, I think it's like a 50-50. In some ways, it's good that you could go to someone's place. That, you know, if you had a couple of friends that were sort of along for the journey and things weren't travelling really well at home, you could, you know, jump in the car and, you know, be at someone's place for five minutes. So that side of it was really nice. But the people that were scared of me or scared of mental health, it wasn't very nice. Yeah. So 50-50. Yeah. A <laughs> little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Yeah. So when um, I think the... The biggest thing that we kind of hear uh, from men is that asking for help is a really, really big hurdle and that a lot of men try to do it on their own um, and, you know, most of the time are unsuccessful because you know, we know that, you know, you need to share things, you need external help with certain mental illnesses. Um, what was the kind of... Uh, moment where you realised you needed external help? I think I think the first major, major impact was I, I, I was quite unwell and I'd gone into work. I don't know if I'd make that decision. I'd gone into work and um, I, I sort of had this plan that 
that was going to be my last day and um, I was you know really really upset and uh, one of the workers there come down and she said Michael come and have a cup of coffee with me and I and I uh, I went and had that cup of coffee with that particular lady and that was a life-changing uh, thing for me that day it really uh, changed my point of view that day about feeling suicidal and, uh, and it seems like a small gesture but it was a huge gesture to me um, to have that moment so I, I knew I knew that I needed to um, have uh, help for sure and uh, my psychiatrist had said to me that he thought that I was going to harm my family and he was pretty sure that I was going to suicide when he told me that the penny really dropped that, well, this is getting really serious now. Um, so I think that's how it answered that. Yeah, I think it's really important to note that, that um, just a small act from someone can mean so much. And that's what we're all about here, you know, is trying to get people to make more of those small acts, open the conversation, because like you said, you know, it might have been just a small act for her, but for you, it was life-changing. There's a life changing in back. Now, I see that lady once every 12 months. I just run up and give her a big hug. And she probably thinks, What's he doing? He's still bloody crazy. This fun, but um, I appreciate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> when you were in, in that point um, before, you know, you had that chat, and I feel like a lot of people out there who, you know, can't identify mental health or try to deny that they have it um, can relate to the feeling. So, what did it feel like at that point when you said you were struggling with depression and things weren't going well? I think the psychosis was the big one for me is things were going horribly wrong. I, I remember thinking that I had the devil in me and that sort of turned into thinking, oh, actually I am the devil. So I, I had so many emotions and different thoughts of the psychosis that was going on. It was a lot of rapid cycling. It was very hard to actually keep up with exactly what was going on. So um, I think the depressive and the suicidality. The suicidality was your worst day times the thousands is the feeling of the despair. It's so hard to explain it. That it's that bad. I mean, everything is black and there's no right, and the feeling is just so overwhelming. In it, and it's 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 so constant as well. It's not like an hour. It's like a day and a day and a day. And that constant feeling of oh not wanting me around anymore. I, th I think that was the biggest shock for me and the hardest thing to deal with. The depression, I had very, very severe depression as well. And, and that was just days of crying and um, just not even able to get out of bed, not interested in doing anything at all, really. And, uh, and that just went on for days and days as well. So between the psychosis and depression, it was awful. Yeah, and I know in that, moment it feels like there's no way out and there's no light at the end of the tunnel but what would you say to someone where, from where you are now who might be in that place like what advice would you give them well i would i would say be confident that you're not alone it's okay to talk about your feelings it's not a weakness to uh, to seek help um seeking professional help is something that i think men should feel comfortable about doing as well um, recovery is uh, is a goal, and it's it's one step at a time, and it's it's it can be long winded, it can be very difficult, but I think we need to accept the fact that 
sometimes these things happen and we, and we need to find the right pathway um, to get through this. Yep. And that's what I've been saying a lot in these interviews is that I really believe that it's one of the strongest things that you can do uh, because it's one of the hardest things that you can do. Seeking help, continuing to push forward and working towards uh, better mental health and recovery you know, it's not it's not easy but which which is funny that kind of it's you know some people think it of men as sharing their feelings is weak it's actually strong because it's so hard to do I, yeah. I love to share that with people because it's just I, I feel like it's upside down somewhere yeah and I think um Carl a lot of the hard work has um, been done as far as presentations and things go I mean back in 1993 you know uh going to an emergency department for mental health was difficult at the best of time, sure. the experiences weren't great, to be honest with you. And, and I'd like to think now that uh, if, if, a, if a man uh, presented for uh, assistance for mental health issues, um, that they would be seen in a lot better light than what it was back in, you know, 20, 23 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. So um, we've come a long way I and mean, we've got a long way to go. Definitely. But it's better. At Obviously, yeah, it, it is better. What would you say um, are still some of the stigmas or or where do you think it needs to go further? Well, I, I mean, I'm uh, an advocate of lived experience uh, workers. Uh, I'm, I'm actually on the ACP as a lived experience advisor to the Office of Chief Psychiatrist. And uh, I think we need to have peer workers in um, emergency departments for a variety of different reasons um, to talk the, the person through and from a lived experience point of view exactly what's going on. I mean, if you're getting detained or you're going to be flying out with flying doctors, you know, where are you going? What's the process? What's the orders mean? Speaking to your partner or family about what's going on, where the places motels are, just making the process. Um, easier in emergency departments for one. I think uh, police interventions, there should be peer workers attached to that as well. So we can go out to a community house and someone's going to be detained and make the process um, uh, more transparent and, and, and building up a trust from the word go with, with, um, with the, our male friends about how this is all taking place. So there's a long, long way to go, Carl, a long, long way to go. But there's people out there that are talking this way. And I think the emergency department thing in particular, I think it's the next two years in South Australia, uh, we should see um, a big change. I think, yeah, there's some great points, Michael, and definitely we've made progress and in, in those areas uh, will help further it along. Um, where I did want to touch back a second on something you said before, um, just about the stigma, because obviously uh, you, you said that a lot of what you struggled with was, you know, what people said to you and their reactions and stigma. How do you think your journey would have been different with mental health if there wasn't that stigma and if people understood uh, what was going on and had more knowledge and were more aware of what you were going through? Well, I think as we become well, we've got to deal with what we've just been through. And in my particular case, it went on for two years. So it's a lot to deal with at that mm. time. And I think if I didn't have to deal with the feelings of what the community was saying about me or what I perceived they were saying about me and 
the strange looks and things like that. Uh, maybe getting back on the bandwagon um, would have been easier for me. So it's you know you have a you have a mental illness that goes for a couple of years, and then finally as some sort of medical solution hopefully comes along and but then you have to get back on the horse and rebuild your life yeah. and um, that's a very difficult process as well so you can't just have two years of mental health and then right I'm going to go back to work let's make this all happen and uh, um, you've got to go through all the emotions then of what's actually happened and try and try and uh, understand what you've been through so you can get other people to at least understand what you've been through so uh, you know, the rebuild is the tricky part for me. Um, and that took a long time and a lot of failure. I remember my first job back was up in um, Marla in a roadhouse and um, I, I drove for 13 hours. I got there and had a panic attack from how when everything fell apart. I packed the car back up and drove back home. And it took me another three months before I could have another try again. So it's the, the rebuild, it, it, it goes on for so long. and. Uh, and even today, I mean, I, 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 my wellness is around good living, but it's certainly uh, a medication component for keeping well and being able to work is, uh, is something that I need to do. So I, I deal with that on a daily basis. Yeah. So what has that process looked like for you? You obviously, you know, the hardest part is um, that first step and then you've gradually, you know, working towards uh, improving and uh, you know, getting back to you know, like you said, the, the regular life. What does that journey kind of look like for you? Well, I think um, for me now, I, I'm a, I work as a mental health support worker on the integrated mental health inpatient unit at the hospital. It's a bit of a mouthful. Um, the lived experience advisory group with the Office of Chief Psychiatrist. Um, I own my own business. Um, I am in the entertainment industry, and I'm. Uh, I run a karaoke show, a minimum of two shows a week, sometimes oh, uh, sometimes three shows a week. And uh, obviously I see a lot of people that I knew from way back then and um, the stigma is definitely gone. I'm treated as a normal person again now, many, 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 many years later. Uh, life's going re uh, really, really good. Um, I'm really enjoying uh, working in mental health for the last, well, it's been about 18 years of mental health work, as a mental health worker now. And um, I think uh, every day, if you can just uh, provide a little bit of your lived experience and someone to make them feel a little bit easier, um, it's a good day. Yeah. I think that's very uh, uh, admirable thing to do is to use your life experience and, you know, turn what may be seen as a negative into a positive to help other people um, to try and make sure that, you know, people don't have to go through what you went through or you can help them try to cut out some of the pain. Um, I think that's, yeah, it's a really powerful thing to do. And this kind of getting people to open up and talk is, is a, a great first step in that. Yeah. And like, you know, men really want to be able to sit down with somebody that they can actually trust and really openly discuss the feelings that we find difficult to discuss. Yeah. When you are unwell, was there stigma around you that you would like to say there was someone else in your position now um, or someone knew someone who was having um, psychosis and things like that what would you say how how should someone treat that person like how should they someone have you know have probably have approached you when you were having in your worst time well 
because there was only a very limited amount of people that were able to uh, uh, engage with me and, and, and wanted to engage me, I think the first thing is is not to judge people. It's a difficult enough time and there's already enough pressure trying to deal with your own emotions and being a man and trying to navigate your way through the system. Uh, it, you know, I think people just need to have the compassion, uh, the understanding, the empathy, do some research, find out what's going on, speak with uh, medical professionals as well, st stick with the journey, go to the hospital, visit your friends or partners or wherever it is, and just, just treat them exactly the same way you would if I broke my leg and I was in the hospital waiting for a cast. You know, everyone's going to get on social media and they're going to say, hope your leg gets better soon, Michael. But, you know, uh, it would be really nice to say, I hope you're feeling better soon, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if you bust your knee up, you go to the doctor, but yeah. your, your head's busted, your, your brain's a bit busted up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. To deal with it themselves. You're not going to try to, you know, heal a broken knee on your own. Yeah, yeah. It well, doesn't work. Nobody's going to jump out and go boo, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> and when you said that people would avoid you, avoid you in the street, why is that? Did they kind of think you were dangerous or they just weren't, didn't understand what was going on? I did a couple of things in the community that got around pretty quick, uh, Carl. I'll share a little story with you that I'm okay with now. So I went to Woolies and I had this scar from the back operation. For some reason, I thought the scar healed really, out, really well and I thought I'd uh, uh, show a few people. So I, I downed off a little bit of the gear and uh, um, the police came and uh, walked me home. But uh, the joke of it is, is um, uh, they gave me a everyday rewards card and they made me employee of the month so it wasn't too bad <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good response for them. this is not a bad response yeah so yeah so i mean that went around town and, at 900 mile an hour of course and um I'm, I'm sure people had a lot of fun with that but uh, it wasn't a great day one of my wasn't my finest moment but um i even i can have a smile about that now yeah well that's incredible that you you know you've found the positive and you can have a laugh about something that i'm sure was very very hard yeah so just one of the final things i want to ask is uh what do you think is the main benefit about talking about mental health especially for men you need to be confident that you're not alone i think that's the main thing you're not alone nobody nobody needs to be alone in, in, in a, a life experience that you're having at the time you've got to have somebody to be there for you you need to be able to open up about your feelings it's not a weakness to seek help um you know it's it's just so important that people are going to be there for you and and if we can all do that we're halfway there making the journey a lot better for everybody in my opinion all right in my opinion, also, that's what this uh, whole project is about. We're just trying to you know, open that door because, in my own experience, I've seen how there's those these discussions uh, are just so comforting, uh, eye-opening. Understanding that other men are going through similar things, um, it just takes a lot of that weight off some of the things we may be going through. Because if if we don't talk about it, you're right. You just think, I what I'm doing. I'm completely alone. I'm the only yeah. one going through this. What's wrong? Yeah. But there may be so many people out there doing the same thing. 
And there's just so many variables of mental health, you know, uh, nothing, no one's worse than the other. Each, each thing that people experience is, is a great deal, big deal for everybody, you know, when, um, you know, if you're, if you're suffering with depression or psychosis or, or borderline personality, bipolar, all the things that um, are out there these days, that, um, you know, they're, they're really difficult things to get over and they're diff difficult things to deal with. And, um, we need to acknowledge that mental health is difficult. You know, it's a, it's a difficult illness, and, and it's not something that you want to wish on you, you know, on anybody. Yeah, and you're right. It's it's hard enough in itself, and I think that's why it's so important that we break down this stigma. Because you know, why do we need to add a whole other layer on top of it when it's you know it's already something pretty tough to try to work through? Look, I think misunderstanding is still a big problem seeing what you went through in your experience, if there's someone out there who was considering reaching out to get help, would you encourage them to do that? Or how would you encourage them to do that? Look, I think we need to draw a line in the sand and say, look, a medical intervention is probably the best start. Mm -hmm. um, get somebody that you trust to go with you, if that's possible, you know, um, uh, the support, for men to be able to open up about what's going on uh, is, is crucial. And I think if you can have someone do that journey with you, um, I, I would highly recommend it. But I think seeking help is not a weakness. It's something that men should be comfortable to do. And I implore all our men out there that are having any mental health issues of any type to, to seek some help. Um, the, the help is there. There's people who are trained. There's people like Carl and myself out there that will um, support you from a lived experience um, point of view. So I think every day that you don't deal with it, it's another day of a horrible feeling probably that you have to go through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, that's what I like to always say, is, you know, the earlier you tackle it, you don't have to wait till it's, you know, at, right at the last straw where you're struggling, you can deal with it early uh, and start, you know, living that life where there's joy and happiness. And you, the yeah. earlier you approach it, the earlier you can start having that. Yeah, and I think people, uh, hopefully today, you know, people would say, look, I don't think things are jumping too good that, you know, workmate, anybody in the community that, you know, to have enough uh, friendship, and love for people to be able to say, look, I, I don't think you're traveling that well. And um, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm sure that, you know, the person will appreciate, would appreciate someone noticing and understanding and feeling like they're not alone in, in going through that. Yeah. Michael, that was everything I wanted to cover. I just want to say a huge thank you. Um, that was amazing and I'm going to take some great bites of wisdom from you for myself and I'm sure the people watching this um, you know we always say that the best experience is lived experience so um, people who are out there who are struggling um, I'm sure will we'll see this and hearing your story uh, hopefully give them a little nudge in the right direction to, to seek help. My pleasure my pleasure and that's what it's all about so thank you very much for inviting me to the podcast. Of course. Cheers Michael. Thank you for tuning in. A huge thank you to our guest. Make sure you head to wearemen.com.au for more information about the project and for a list of services that are available to men out there 
who want to learn how to be a man who talks. See you guys next week.